0: Have you ever stated that question sometime in life that you come to a place where you thought, there's got to be more to life. There's got to be more than, than this, than what we see. Maybe you're in a situation of some sort and you're thinking to yourself, boy, it's got to be better than this. Now, I'm not talking about your spouse or your family, but certain situations that we're in. Sometimes we'll even ask God, there's got to be more to life. Even as Christians, people will walk up to you and say, "What is the meaning of life? You know, because you're a Christian, you you have this relationship with God. What is there? What is there more than just what we see? Is there anything more? And sometimes we can't explain everything because we're right in the middle of going through something ourselves. I think that song says it all. And sometimes we chase temporary things." trying to satisfy something that's spiritual. And sometimes we'll even look at God Himself and question, does He even know what He's doing? Let me say thank you to Christina and Leilani and Jackie for singing such a wonderful song to us this morning. You know, we'll all come across times in our life where we're going to be faced with recognizing that plans may not go according to how we would want it to. There's times where we'll face that question, there's got to be more to life when plans go wrong. And that's what we want to look at today. So if you have your bulletins, you can take that out and take out your notes and follow along. But what do you do when plans go wrong? We were at our date night the other day, and uh, the plan was we were going to eat at this one place. And usually we'll decide on two we'll say okay we want to eat here and here and then the other person has to choose the place you know that way you don't fight about where you're going to eat because then it's the where do you want to eat or oh, wherever you want okay let's go here I don't want to eat there why are you t- tell me then you, you ask me where I like eat you t- I tell you you don't want to eat there so you pick two places and the other person picks one so the two places were subway and KFC we're on a budget Hey, the main thing is you're together with one another. It doesn't matter where you're eating. So we said, okay, let's go to Subway. That was the plan. But before that, instead of eating out for dessert, we were going to buy dessert. So we went to the store to buy dessert. But I forgot to go to the store first. So that plan went bad. Went to Subway. Stood in line. They don't take credit cards. We didn't have cash. That plan didn't go well. So we went to Plan B, which usually is our Plan A. Some of you guys are Plan Z, which is your Plan A. So we went to KFC, and we looked at the order, and I said, You know what? I'll take that little pack right there, and, and there's a couple pieces of chicken, and this and that. And Heidi said, But what if we just got one big meal, then we could share it? I said, But that's too much. That's, I mean, that's a whole lot of chicken. And it's seven dollars more. She said, "But we'll have leftover, and then we can eat later, or we can feed our children." I said, "Okay, so let's get that." So they took our order, and I said, "I'll take the, you know, the value meal." And they said, "Okay." And there's this long pause, and she said, "Oh, uh, we ran out of biscuits. It's going to be about twelve minutes." Now, twelve minutes is not that long, but when you're hungry, it's forever. And I said, and I'm thinking. This is biscuits at KFC. This is the whole reason why we come to KFC is for the biscuit. You can't eat the chicken without the biscuit. It's like peanut butter and jelly without the peanut butter. You need the biscuits. This is just going on in my mind. And she said, well, we can substitute it. Uh, would you like something else in place? And I'm thinking, well, what you get? You know, I'm going to bargain with you now. You're not giving me biscuits. Give me 20-piece chickens. I want something for this. So said, I said, "Can we substitute the coleslaw?" She said, "Sure, absolutely." What kind of chicken would you want? I said, um, "Original." She goes, "Okay." Long pause again. We only have two pieces left. I'm like, "Are you serious?" Get chicken fights every day. Guarantee you'll birds someplace. Come on. Just joking. And so I said, "Can you substitute it for me?" I'll, I'll just take. Um, what do you have? She said, "We have grilled, and then I don't know what the other is, crispy." I said, just give me the grilled and, and I'll be fine with that. And then got the order, everything was good and a lot of tiny pieces. So when we got home and opened it up, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. You could at least put 50 chickens because they're so small. And Heidi and I looked at each other and we said, you know, just be thankful there's food. Just be thankful there's food. Now, in the beginning, not too thankful. Not going so well. This date night thing wasn't working out smoothly. Plans weren't going well. Now, we live a life full of plans going wrong. You may even think in your own family that the plans that we had years ago is not turning out as we planned to. You might be with someone right now and you're thinking, Boy, I don't know if this was was such a great idea and now we're married. What do I do from here? And you may think, like, my plans went wrong. (laughs) I don't know what you're going to do with that. You can take it whatever you want to do with it. And sometimes we think our plans are supposed to turn out exactly how we thought. What do you do when plans go wrong? We're going to look at some people in the Bible... That their plans went wrong. We're going to see how they responded. We're going to see what they did. Because for us, when plans don't go right, we have a tendency to think that it's not God's will. We may even go to God and say, you said, and you fill in the blank, about His plans for us. Well, we're going to find out even God Himself as the perfect planner had things go wrong. In fact, when he created Adam and Eve, remember they were in the garden and they were given the choice to eat out of this out of this garden except for one tree, and God said that is the one you shall not eat of. And he gave them that choice because love needed to be given. And without choice, there would be no love. And God is love, so he said you, you need to choose. Well, Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. And so from that day forward, we've seen a downward spiral of this so-called plan that God had for all of us. But this is what took place with Adam and Eve. And in your notes in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, As they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, Oh, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Isn't it interesting that when we encounter a a disobedience to God or we make a decision that doesn't go according to God's ways or we make decisions based on our own theory or thoughts that are disobedient to God... And we're found out, or something goes wrong, that we hide from God. Not all the time, but there's times where we'll even hide from the very one who gives us life. Things will go wrong in life. There's plans that may not work out for its best. The Apollo 13, April 14th, 1970, I believe. When they were going to the moon, they encountered some electrical problems. And remember the phrase that was made famous from the movie Apollo 13? Houston, we have a problem. It didn't go according to plan. The Tower of Pizza, the tower is leaning. Why? Because, not because the plans were wrong, but because of their foundation that they built on. And so now it's leaning. And I think when we look at plans, you can plan perfectly, but in life, it doesn't always go according to plan. And God wants to help us when plans go wrong because He's the one that plans out our life and we're in the middle of it. Sometimes we think, well, if, if this is the way it's been planned out, then that must mean that God doesn't love me because this is how it's going. And we base our relationship on God according to our situation and plans that may go wrong. See, God doesn't want us to hide from Him even when plans go wrong because it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, and it's in your notes, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Yeah, God sees our future. He sees the hope. What we see is the problem at hand. But God says, I have it. All in order. Even when plans go wrong. Even though the plans that we live aren't perfectly lived, we still serve a God who perfectly plans. So even though plans may go wrong or things don't go our way, we can rest assured that He stays perfect in His planning. It's amazing how God does these things. And although plans may go wrong in our eyes, we're going to learn what God meant when He said, For I know the plans that I have for you. See, if we look with our eyes in life, we'll miss what God is actually doing. It really takes a heart after God, a heart that seeks God out, because it's within that that God is going to use to continue to move forward when plans go wrong if you're taking notes, here's some things that we can learn. The first thing is to develop this heart. Develop a heart that seeks the Lord. It takes time to develop a heart because we see with our eyes. We'll look from our perspective, from the human perspective, and then we'll see things not go according to our ways, and then even doubt God, forgetting that He sees the future and the hope ahead. He says, you're looking from the wrong perspective. Did you know that when we develop a heart that seeks the Lord, that He's one to grant us His presence, to bestow on us His gracious presence? He grants us His presence. But it's our responsibility to seek Him out and He gives us a fresh supply of His grace. That's His gracious presence. He grants us everything needful for us, every mercy, both Temporary and spiritual, because He's looking out for the best of our well-being. Even in the given moment, God can give us enough to persevere through what we're going through when plans go wrong. In Jeremiah, it continues, in Jeremiah 29, 13, that He says, "...you will seek Me and find Me when you search for Me with all your heart." Did you know that God does not look for perfection in us? That's not what He's after. He's not looking for a person of perfection. He's looking for a heart of integrity and a heart of sincerity. Ones whose hearts are in, has this integrity about it, this character about it. And He's saying, if you seek me with that, oh, I'll grant you my gracious presence. You'll be able to stand before me. And God doesn't look for that. He doesn't look for perfection. And when I, when I develop this heart that seeks the Lord, then He will in turn grant me His gracious presence. I love that about God. That He's not a God who we should run from, but we should run towards. He doesn't operate out of our fears. He looks for people who will develop this heart to seek Him out and develop their faith in Him, regardless of what's taking place. Doesn't it make a difference when... We know something is not going well with someone else, and then, or maybe your children, and then they approach you to apologize or make things right, or they say, you know, Mommy, Daddy, I, I broke this, I just want to let you know, rather than hide it from you. It makes a difference. When I was, uh, in my teenage years, when I was 15, that's when I had my son. And my mom did not know that I had a son until he was one week old because I didn't tell her. I was afraid of telling her because, well, I'm 15. And she would have done some damage to me more than I have already have. So I came home one day and my sister, who is a year older, she said, Sheldon, you have to tell mom. I said, no way. She goes, when are you going to tell her? Well, my sister already knew. I said, I I don't know. When the time is right. She said, he's a week old. When when is the time right? I said, I don't know. She goes, if you don't tell her soon, she's going to kill you. I said, she's going to kill me anyway, so I'll just wait. And she said, no, you must tell her. And so I did. I went to my mom and I said, Mom, here's, here's what's happening in my life. I have a son. He's a week old. She says, I know. Your sister told me. <laughs> I said, What? My sister actually took the heat because the way she presented it, she said, Mom, you're going to be a grandmother again. What? What's wrong with you? You're only 16 years old. and She said, it's not me, it's Sheldon. <laughs> what? He's only 15 years old. And <clears throat> so she took the hit for me. But I think because I went to my mom first, that's what my mom was waiting for. She didn't want to be the person to approach me. And I think it had to do with relationship. She wanted me to go to her first. Not because she's a mean parent. Not because she wants to punish me. Not because she wants to demean me. But because she wants what's best for me. That for me to take the responsibility and come to her. Because when I stood before her, she gave me grace. Now tell me that our Heavenly Father wouldn't even much more grant us grace in His presence. He's the gracious Father. You can either stand before the Lord in His presence, or you can avoid Him. It's your choice. There's a man by the name of Cain, and some of you know this story. He actually killed his brother Abel. In the beginning of time when God created Adam and Eve and they had their children, Cain and Abel. And he killed his brother. Well, God said, here's, here's the consequences. Here's what's going to happen for your life. And Cain said, that's too much for me to bear. I can't go through with that. And this is what Cain did. In Genesis four sixteen, Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. It's interesting that he had the choice to either stay in the presence of God or to go away from the presence of God. And, and Cain said, this is too much for me to bear. I can't deal with these consequences, Lord. I can't do it your way, so I'm out of here. Good morning, Seth. Amen. How you doing, buddy? You good? Yeah. All right, all right, all right. John, help him down, okay? It's kind of dark. And so he's he's thinking, how am I going to deal with this? And so he leaves the presence of the Lord... And you never, ever hear about Cain anymore. Interesting. He leaves the presence of the Lord. Now this other man, his name is David. David, he did almost the same thing. In fact, David committed adultery. And then conspired to have this woman Bathsheba's husband killed in battle. And so this all takes place and David... Puts this guy in a in, in the worst place of battle. And he dies. And so now David is found out. Here comes Nathan the prophet and says, David, what you did is wrong. You sinned against God. And David had a choice to make. David could have done what Cain did and flee from the presence of the Lord. But David chose to stay in the presence of the Lord. And look at what he says in Psalms 16. Psalm 16 verse 11. David speaks this, and I think he speaks this to his own self too. You show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Yeah, David stayed close to the Lord. You see, when I'm not deep in the presence of the Lord, I'll be very shallow in life. It's in His presence That there's joy and pleasures forevermore. David understood that. How will you respond to the Lord when there's a mistake in your life? Or when plans go wrong? Will you stay close to Him or or will you leave His presence? Let me encourage you. Seek the Lord with all your heart. Don't forget about His promises. Seek Him with your heart. Search for Him with an aggressive pursuit with a desire to find Him as one searching for hidden treasure. Search for Him in that way. And you'll find that even what we go through and even what may come up in life, the Lord can help us through that. But He's asking for us to come to Him, surrender to Him, trust in Him, put our faith in Him. Our second point this morning, you can write this in, is to surrender my situation to the Lord surrender it to Him. See, when plans go wrong, we're stuck in it. You know, we're, we're in the situation. We don't. We may not know how to get out of it or we have to go through it. Maybe it's a process of some kind. Maybe it's something that the Lord is doing. But if we don't surrender it to Him, then we'll try to control the situation. But He knows the plans that He has for us. And sometimes plans go wrong not because of our choices or something that we did, But sometimes they go wrong because of what someone else did or someone else's choice. How do we deal with that? How do we deal with when plans go wrong because of what someone else has done? Well, there's an incident that took place with one of the kings. His name was Hezekiah. He was the king of Judah when there was a split between Israel and and the two different uh, uh, kingdoms. And so Hezekiah is faced with opposition. One of the nations that surrounded them were the Assyrians. And the king, Sennacherib, sent one of his his uh, top officials. And he sent him to Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, being the king, had all of his men out there. And and so this Rabshakeh, this man, this, this official, comes to them and says, Are you kidding me? You guys are following this God of Hezekiah? What, what will this God do for you? I mean, look at the history of this God. Look at the kings that that were before Hezekiah. Some followed this God, some didn't. Some did well, some didn't. They, de- they desolated the land, and, and some of them built shrines. They did all of these things. That's the kind of God you serve? And so now he's mocking God, ridiculing God, and then he says to the men, if you will defect and you'll come to our, our army, we'll take care of you. All your problems will be solved. You don't have to worry about oppression and all of this. You follow us. In fact, the Egyptians couldn't even stand up to us. Do you think you guys can? And so now he's saying these things. He gives the letter to one of Hezekiah's men. This guy gives the letter to Hezekiah, and Hezekiah reads this, and he encourages the men. And he says, I know my God, and I know theirs. Our God is real. Theirs is made out of stone and and wood and carved images. It has no meaning, no life, no power. Follow God. Our God will take care of all of this. And so Hezekiah in Isaiah 37 took the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And this is what he did he went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Hezekiah could have responded like how that guy did and, and and brought the army together and said, Go defeat them. Let's go into battle. But he said, Listen, I know my God. L- let me go to God first. And he brought this problem, this the situation, the opposition, and and this this plan that these guys had against him. And he said, Lord, I I can't do anything with it. I lay it out before you. And if you read Isaiah 36 and 37, you're going to see the Lord just do a wonderful miracle. Now, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord struck down the Assyrians. So I don't know what that looked like. All I know is when their plans went wrong, God's didn't. And they stayed true to God. They laid it out. They surrendered it before the Lord and they said, Lord, we can't do anything about this. You can And I thought, you know, before Hezekiah formed any other plan, he went to his only plan and his only option, and that is to go to surrender it before the Lord. I think that should be our option. Our option should be to surrender it to the Lord. Now, sometimes we'll go to people first, and and maybe that's a friendship thing or or something, but can I encourage us to, to surrender our situations to the Lord first? Go to Him first. Because by the time we go to all these people, we're working up these scenarios that may never happen. And they may say, what? They did that? Really? You should do this. Oh, yeah, I should. You did that. I smack them. Oh, you should do this. I leave them. And you, you have all of this advice. And then when we're in turmoil, we'll say, Lord, what do you think? I think you should have came to me first. Go to the Lord first. Surrender it to Him. See, we can either surrender to our situation, surrender it, to the Lord, or we're just going to surrender our lives over to our situation. We can make that choice. We're either going to surrender it to the Lord or surrender to it. It's it's our choice, and the Lord is saying, "I can I can help you, but you got to remember there's a future and a hope. Don't look at what is happening right here. Let the pride go and trust in me. Surrender it to me." Because you don't see what's coming up. I know the plans that I have for you. I know what I'm doing. I can help you through this. The other day I was trying to get onto the internet and I was trying for a couple of hours. I had to reset things and try to go and do some diagnostic testings and I'm like, why is this not working? So I'm working on that. My son Jordan comes home, and he's 17, and he says, "What's what you're doing?" That I said, "I'm trying to get onto the internet. It's not working. I reset. I did everything." He said, "Did you do this, this, and this?" I said, "I did all of that." He said, "You need help?" I said, "No, I get (laughs) him." And he said, "Okay." So I worked on it for a little while more, and then I said, (laughs) "I had to put my pride on the side," and I said, "Jordan, I need your help." He goes, "Okay." Thirty seconds up and running. I said, how dare you? At least take long. Don't just come in and, oh, I did this, did that, and working. I said, what'd you do? He said, I just, on this, and he showed me this one little button on the screen. You turn this on and you turn it off. And I said, what? I I didn't know that. And he said, I know. (laughs) So he's grounded now. Well, no, he's not wrong. And, I, and, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, that's what I mean when I say, I know the plans that I have for you. It's, I, I, I know what's coming up. I know how to do things. You don't know what you don't know. So the plans that may go wrong, God can still use because he knows the plans that he has for us. It's for a future and a hope. Even though plans go wrong, God still can make it work out. God knows. Get back to His ways. Get back on track with Him. Sometimes it may not be what I'm not doing, or I'm, I may not be doing something right. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, when I read the Word, I do this, I pray, I do all of these things, and this happens. Yes, I know, but you don't know what's coming up. Yeah, but God says He loves me. he would never leave me. Why do I feel alone? Why do I feel like God's not working in my life? He is. It's just we're here trying to figure out what we don't know. God is saying, you can't. How about you stay right here with me? And I'll walk you through every single trial, every single path you take on. Even a side trail you're going to take. Even though it's muddy in there, you're going to trample in there. But get back on my road because it's solid, it's sure. This is my path. I know the plans that I have for you. I am so glad that when we trail off of the path, that His never changes. His plans are sure. We can always get back on track with the Lord. Okay, so might as well adventure. Yeah, you can if you want to, if you choose to. Not many people find their way back. It's not that easy. Many people get lost hunting. Many people get lost off trails because they think they can find their way back. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to be lost without God, uh, that He will never try to find you and that, that you're going to be on your own forever. No, what I am saying is, why even take the chance? If I'm on God's road and things go wrong, because they still will, we'll make choices, and life is difficult, how much more difficult when I'm disobedient to God and on my own trail? He says, I know the plans that I have for you. you got to trust in me. Don't settle for secondary roads and side trails. Even though life may have brought you to that point or made decisions for you, Maybe you have a past that brought you to where you are. He says, stay on my road. In the book of Jeremiah, he's saying this, You know, my people are not so reliable. Kind of sounds like us. For they have deserted me. They burn incense to worthless idols. They have stumbled off the ancient highways and walk in muddy paths. You know, these ancient highways, they were solid because that's where everybody continued to travel. It became solid. God already gave us a solid ground in Jesus Christ. He already went that route. Jesus said, you put your life on my life, on this solid ground, when the rains come and the storms hit, because they will, your life won't crumble. But if you go off onto these side trails, you're dealing with these hurricane force winds of life On your own. It's up to us. And he says, if you stay in my presence, yep, you'll encounter some difficult times, but I tell you, you won't fall apart. It takes some hits, but you'll be able to keep moving forward. He says, get back to my ways. Even if you have to do it 50 times a day, get back on track with the Lord. Get back on track with who he's called us to be. We're going to take some side trails every now and then. But he says, get back on track as quick as possible, as best as possible. Even if you have to correct yourself 50 times a day, do it. We were heading down South Point to camp, and uh, someone gave us some directions. And so we were borrowing my brother's truck, and it was kind of new. And I think I took a wrong turn because we went down these trails... Uh, where it looks like only mopeds can go. And I'm in this uh, Ford 350, I believe, or 250. It's a big truck. So I'm heading down these trails, and it gets narrower and narrower with keave trees next to it. And so as we're driving, I'm looking ahead and I'm thinking, we're not going to make that. I think it might scratch the truck. And so we're going, and all of a sudden you hear. <coughs> I'm like, ah, oh, it's scratching the truck. And we're thinking, hopefully it's just surface scratches. We're going to have to pay my brother to repaint this truck, which we don't need to. <laughs> and so we're, we're heading down, and, and all you hear is, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man. And I head to this one place, and there's a like a 20-foot drop right on the side of the truck. And I'm looking down, and it's dirt now. It's not solid ground. And you can see little dirt crumbling. I'm thinking, that's all I need for us to fall in this thing. And I said, Heidi, um, I don't know if this is the way because there's like a 20-foot drop right here. And we're like right on the side. And there's this small cliff on this side. So we can't go either way. And And she says this, okay, as best as possible, as safe as possible, but as quickly as possible, get us to solid ground. I'm like, what a paradox. Take your time, but hurry up. And so we did, took our time, but we kind of hurried up because if we fall in this thing, we're dead meat. We get on solid ground. We meet our friends and, they, and we meet them at this one place and we're like, where'd you come from? They said, the road. I said, what road? They said, the paved road. I said, well, where'd we come from? He said, I don't know. I don't know where you went. You went the wrong trail. Now when I look at God's plan... Not that everything will lead back to God, but His road is always the best road. And His road is always the most sure and solid of all roads. You can take side trails if you want to, and it may get you back where you need to, but boy, the damage that is done along the way. I'd say, Lord, I'd just rather stay in Your presence, surrender myself to You, Surrender my situations to you and stay on track with you. I think that should be all of our prayers. Lord, as best as possible, and speak to myself as quick as possible, get back on track with the Lord. I think that should be our prayer. But I must do my part to surrender, to make that decision to surrender it to the Lord. And then the last thing that will help, number three, is to view my life from the Lord's perspective. I think this will, this, will, this will change everything about our plans when it, when it goes wrong or it looks like it goes wrong. To change my perspective to the Lord's perspective. And sometimes we have fear that what is happening in my life is God's way of punishing me or, or paying me back for what I've done wrong. God does not pay us back for something we've done wrong. Now, there's consequences to our decisions, but God is not the author of paying us back for things we do wrong. If that was God's heart, He would have never sent us Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God doesn't pay us back for sins, He took it out on His Son. And He said, Here's the payment. My son will go to the cross. He's not going to pay us back. And and we have that thought. We do something, something happens in life, and, and we say, oh, I'm struggling with this because God. God's paying me back. Oh, see, I did this last week. Now look, oh, I shouldn't have done that. God, I'm so sorry. We think God is paying us back. God is thinking, I didn't do that to you. I don't pay back with evil. It's not God's heart. It's not his character. But even what evil that comes our way or people intend to harm us with, God can use for the better and for the good. See, God doesn't give to us by our fears or by what we want or desire, He gives according to the expectations of our faith in Him. Because from His perspective, He's always looking out for what's best in our lives. He sees the end result. He sees the future. And it's very hopeful. He says, you only see this. Come from my perspective. Yeah, but I'm dealing with this. Yeah, but this is where you're heading. Stay true. Yeah, but it's hard. I'll help you through. I'm not going to leave you. Why? Because I have a future and a hope for you. It's hopeful. Yeah, but I I can't figure this out. You, You can't, but I can help you. Look from my perspective in what I'm doing in your life. Yeah, but so-and-so did this to me, now I'm dealing with this. They made some choices, now I'm dealing with this. Yes, I understand. But they they may have intended to harm you, but not me. I can even use what they intended for harm for your good. That's how good God's plans are. It's unshakable, unchanging, and sure to even where evil cannot have its foot in God's plan. He knows the plans that He has for us. Joseph was one of the one of those who were born into the patriot, uh, patriarchs. We had the twelve uh, children from uh, Isaac, and so we had all the different. Uh, Tribes. Joseph was one of them, but it didn't always turn out good for Joseph. If you know the story, Joseph was sold into slavery from, from his brothers because they were jealous of this dreamer because he had these big dreams. In fact, they left him to die. They threw him in a ditch, and they said, Well, maybe we can make some money off of this guy. So they sold him into slavery. But did Joseph run from the Lord? Nope. He stayed true to God's plan for his life. And he stayed true to his relationship with God. And he stayed in the presence of God. Then, through all of that being sold into slavery, he rose up, even in prison, to be like a leader in prison. And then he was able to help the king, or the the pharaoh at that time of Egypt. And then the pharaoh brought him into his home and said, Okay, you're going to watch over my home. And so he watches over his home and, and, and even rises to that, but then he gets accused he gets, and he gets thrown in prison and he goes through all of these things. And God helps him. He becomes the second in command of Pharaoh. He even brings wisdom to the people and he says, you know, we're going through this famine, but before that, we're going to save up so that by the time we go through this famine, we're going to be able to survive through this. And so he makes these decisions, stores up the grain. Now his brothers come from their hometown and get grain from him. They don't recognize him, but he recognizes them. And then after a while he can't take it anymore. He reveals himself to his brothers. His brothers were fearful. They're saying, Oh man, remember what we did back then? What if he tries to kill us? Let's tell him let's tell him that Daddy said you can't do anything to us. And so they use that and 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 Joseph he's Such a heart for God, he says, you know, and he says it in Genesis 50, verse 20. He says, you know, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. Who knows that what we go through, God doesn't see something in the future to preserve many people alive, including yourself. Yeah, but it's so difficult. You know what's happening? A lot of people are watching us as Christians, how we're going to deal with this situation. Our spouses are watching us. Our children are watching us. How are we going to deal with this situation? Do we have faith in God only when things are smooth? Or can we still have faith in God when plans go wrong? Can we still say to God, I believe that the plans that you have for me are for good, not for evil, to give me a future and a hope. Can we still say that? God is saying, if you keep that heart, you will preserve many people alive because you need this in order to receive this. And when I work with you through this, oh, you'll come out alive and well. You'll preserve many people alive because you cannot see what I see. You need this for this. When I was in high school, my sister told me that I needed to take as one of my alternative classes typing. And I said, typing? That's for girls. And she said, no, you're going to want typing. I said, no, I'm not. She goes, yes, you are. I said, no, I can do this. And I'm fine with that. She goes, trust me, you're going to need it. I said, for what? I'm an artist. I don't need to type. And she said, no, you need to type. You're going to need to type. I'm like, no need. She said, just take it. Trust me. So I did. Took a half semester. Best decision. One of the best decisions that I've made. Because now when I prepare for messages, I'm typing all day. And I thought, Lord, I'm so grateful that someone helped me along. Because she could see what I couldn't. And so it is with God. He can see what we cannot, even when plans go wrong. Because when plans go wrong, here's the good news, Romans eight twenty eight. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Isn't that wonderful about God? And He works all these things together for the good of those who love God, as a prerequisite, who love God and are called according to His purpose. Is there more to life? Absolutely. Why? Because He knows the plans that He has for us. Even when plans go wrong, He gives us a future and a hope. Amen. And close your Bibles, put away your notes. There's these two friends that um, they would talk once in a while and they would meet up every now and then. And it was actually a British sculptor named Sir Jacob Epstein. And he was once visited by his friend in his studio by this eminent author and this fellow Briton of his, George Bernard Shaw. Well, this visitor, George Bernard Shaw, noticed when he got there this huge rock in the corner of his studio. And it was started a little bit and there was there's like some some chips on the corner and 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 some some pieces missing and and, and he, he looked at his friend and he said What in the world are you making? And he said, uh, I'm not too sure yet. I'm still planning. And he says, You are still planning? What if something goes wrong? What if if it doesn't turn out how you want it? Why, when I put my pen to the paper, I need not to plan. I just creatively make and make do. To which the sculptor replied, he says, Very easy when you're creating with a four-ounce manuscript, but not when you're trying to create a masterpiece with a four-ton block of stone. It takes time to create what I see. And you might be in this life a masterpiece that takes time to create because God is not finished with you yet. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that you bestow on us your gracious presence. And it's in your presence that is there is fullness of joy. Lord, I pray for all of us this morning that when plans go wrong, that we'll remember that your plans never do. You know the plans that you have for us. They're for good, not for evil, to give us a future and a hope. May we hang on to that hope, Lord, and that hope is in you. Lord, I pray for us that for some, it seems like a dead end. It seems like there's no way out. But Lord, we surrender that to you. We ask, Lord, that you would do your mighty work. Give us your perspective, Lord, today. That we would see our life from your perspective. And I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said, Amen. Can we thank the Lord for being a wonderful...